This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham, coming to you from just outside Las Vegas, Nevada, where I'm on my way to the Young Living Draft Horse Extravaganza. You are listening to a special Draft Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, presented by the Draft Horse Journal for October 5th, 2017. This episode is brought to you by the 2018 World Clydesdale Show. Good morning, Heavy Horse World. Good morning. Mm, wow, that's a pretty big butt. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Perturans in the arena. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. As you notice, this show is not live, but uh, we re- pre-recorded it because Lisa is on the road so much right now, and she just got to see something that I, I got to ask you about right away at the top of the show. You went through Vegas, I think, with your son, right? I did. We we flew through Vegas during the night. Uh, it was a little, a lot cheaper to fly through Vegas and, and head up to the Young Living Show in Mona, Utah, but... When you stop in Vegas, just if it's only for a couple hours, you have to take advantage of it. And you went to see the Pawn Stars Place. Now, I've talked to other people that have gone to the Pawn Stars Place. I want to hear your opinion. Well, I will be honest. It is To me, it's very disappointing. Number one, you don't ever see any of the stars that are that are on TV. You know, you don't see Chumley or, or the boss. Or you don't see any of them. It's, ex- <laughs> it's extremely small. I mean, literally... Maybe the size of two hotel rooms. It's very, very small. And the items that they have in there are so strange. You know, like I said, the paper mache frog or (laughs) the hodgepodge paintings. You know, I don't know. I didn't see any of the fancy guns that they promote on the show. I didn't see a lot of the fancy pieces of history. I just, it's a little disappointing to me, but... That doesn't mean you do, you can't stand out front and take your picture in front of it. <laughs> well, you know, everybody everybody I've talked to that stopped there has said the exact same thing. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not yeah. the only one. And it's well, this is how small it is. When it is open in the middle of the day in its glory, there's a line to get in. Like you have to wait like a line to ride or ride because only so many people will fit in it at one time. You think so, though with that the guard outside they, and when ten go in. Yeah. You have to you have to wait for ten to come out, and it's so it's it's you know it's all made for TV. That's mm. that's all I can say. They probably have a lot <laughs> and of merchandise. It's not in the best sale. part of town, right? They probably have a lot of merchandise for sale too. Uh, they sell a lot of um, what I would say like personal gain stuff: Pawn yeah. Star shot glasses, Pawn Star right. T-shirts, Pawn Star backpacks. You yeah. know, it, it's a tourist trap, but everybody wants to say they've been there, and they have life size cutouts that you can go stand and take your picture with. So if you're trying to fool somebody, you could say yes, that you did You did stand by one of the people that are the stars. 
So they really don't care if anybody buys anything. <laughs> probably, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But like I said, it's it's a unique place, and and fortunately for us, we were flying through and driving through last night during the middle of the night. I think it was three or four this morning when we came through. So there wasn't a lot of people. So we did. We stopped. We looked in the window. There was a couple guards in there looking out the window at us. But <laughs> it, it was it was fun. I mean, it's one of those situations where. You want to go there because it is a tourist trap, but there's really nothing in there that you need. And right. and I, my son said, do we have anything with us we can pawn? And I said, <laughs> nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, what so, is coming? It was a good time. It's one of those things you just got to do it, right? Uh, exactly. So what's coming up on today's show? Jennifer's not with us right now, so you're going to tell us who's coming up. Well, I'm going to tell you, we have some amazing guests. Each time I think, how can it get any better? And, and our guest today, we are going to have a visit with Ann Hildreth Nisley, and she is with Top Notch Equine in Iowa, and she is one of the hardest-working ladies in our industry. She has a full-time job. She's a mom. She's a wife, and she is full-time with the horses as well. She, she works with the Magna Waves, and she's a horse chiropractor, and she's just an all-around awesome young lady. So it's going to be fun talking with Anne and seeing how their life revolves around top-notch equine. And then we're going to go to the far side of our country. We are going to visit with Justin Hussey. He is with the White Mountain Pertrans in North Conway, New Hampshire. They are a family organization that they, too, are some of the busiest people and I think they're actually trying to get ready to move into one of their biggest shows on the East Coast. Uh, I think that's happening for them. But just a little insight, they were crowned our national champion, Six Horse Hitch, this year at the national show in Des Moines at the Iowa State Fair. So lots of history with the family, the Hussey family, and just a, just an overall great show today. Terrific. And you were just there at the Six Horse Hitch uh, National Championships. Well, they were crowned the national champion at the Iowa State Fair, which was the National Pertrand Show. Gotcha. I am just getting home from the North American Championship. So two different things there, but the North American Championship in Oklahoma City was my last trip, and it was amazing. We'll talk about that, how we crowned the champion of North America. Very good. Well, we're going to get to all of that, including our guests here in just a minute, but I have to talk about an auction, a draft horse sale that I have bought some horses at in the past, and that's the 2018 Pennsylvania Draft Horse Sale. The market is hot and starts every year in the East. Make your plans now for the Pennsylvania Draft Horse Sale held at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The 2018 dates will be January 16th and 17th, 200 to 250 head of above-average Belgian and Percheron draft horses are sold annually, with the occasional Clydesdale thrown in there just to make Lisa happy. Consignments (laughs) include horses appropriate for the show, pleasure and work, bred mares and young mares, young and breeding-age stallions, and good geldings. Unique to this venue, on January 17th, there will be three different sales in progress all at once, draft horses, standard breds, and crossbred harness horses. Sold under harness, exhibiting their way of going. And find Morgan horses as well. Everything driving there that day, and that's on the 17th. Come prepared to see some of the best draft horses in the entire country. It's a great way to spend two winter days. There's still time to consign. The deadline is November the 15th. Just call 
717-940-4412 and request a consignment form. That's 717-940-4412. This auction is truly a horse lover's dream. For more details, visit padrafthorsesale.com. That's padrafthorsesale.com. And I have bought two Percherons there in the past, so uh, it's one of my favorite places to go. Our first guest today, we're super excited to talk with Ann Hildress Nisley. She is joining us from Iowa, where she is a partner in the Top Notch Equine. And as I led into her description earlier in the program, I said she is one of the hardest working ladies in our industry. And job titles, she holds so many of them. I know priority, she is a wife and a mother, but horses have been a part of her life since she was a very young girl. I remember seeing her at the Iowa State Fair with her draft ponies. And even when she was maturing and growing up, she would drive more and more horses until she was driving her own pony six-horse hitch. So this is a young lady that has so much to do with our industry and is so interesting. It's just an honor to have you with us today, Anne. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I appreciate it. Well, we're going to go back and, and talk a little history. I know you grew up with ponies, and that was because of the love of ponies that your grandfather had. So tell me a little bit about growing up and if you thought the ponies were going to be your life. So I grew up showing Hackney Shetland crosses. My grandfather showed when he was young, and then my father and my uncle also showed when they were young. Um, as, it's, as we've grown here, my uh, father actually has no desire to ever be around horses. So all my true love has come from my grandfather, and it's kind of been a thing that we do together. It's my grandpa and my passion, um, and it's really where we connect. Started with the ponies as we grew. Um, I obviously had some trail horses, did some barrel racing when I was younger, but knew I always loved the draft horses. And Bob Roby had lived right down the road, and he's family of ours. So I got into showing the Belgians with Bob Roby, and my love for the draft horses just grew more and more as I was around them. And they have so much power and energy. Where the ponies, they have a lot of energy, but not that power. And I really fell in love with that power that the draft horse has. And so this year, Iowa State Fair literally is in your backyard. I mean, you are literally just a couple miles from the Iowa State Fair. So it's not uncommon for you to be working draft horses and ponies at the Iowa State Fair. Absolutely. So it's kind of a dream that we get to live three miles from the fairgrounds. Growing up, I've never missed an Iowa State Fair. My grandfather has taken us since we were babies. So being able to be that close to the fair has just been it's been great for us as a family and for our clients because we can run back and forth. We have people that lay over at our place. And not only with the horses, I work on a lot of cattle and pigs, sheep, and goats. So it's a great place to be when you're that close to the fairgrounds, and there's always something going on. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going we're gonna to jump ahead a few years, and as you're working on horses and you're trying to path make sure where your path is going in the future, you meet a handsome man that's working for Budweiser. I do. I met John quite a few years ago when he was working at Budweiser, and we had started as just good friends, and then I guess just reconnected, and it was kind of perfect as him working at Budweiser, and I was a nurse at the time, so I could travel um, and see him and work on the horses on the side, and now, I guess five years later, here we sit with two children and 14 acres. Well, <laughs> you you kind of seem to have it all because your little girls are just, just beautiful. And I love to watch Gigi and Harper at the shows because, well, this year, 
as I'm announcing the class, and I believe it was the pony card or the pony team, and you had Gigi with with you, and she was just sitting right by your side, and you could see the look in her eyes that she's going to be doing this. Someday you're going to be standing on the sideline watching her do this. We sure hope that's the case, Lisa. We can all hope that our kids love the horses. Sometimes we say we wish they didn't love the horses because we know it's going to cost us a lot of money, but at the end of the day, we know where, where she'll be when she's older, and that'll be sitting in our barn getting either a pony or a draft horse ready, or even she loves to barrel race, so who knows where Gigi's going to end up in this horse world. Oh, my. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to talk now about your work with the horses. Um, you went to school to be a horse chiropractic, and you went to the very famous Helen J. Woods Equine Therapy Program in British Columbia, um, you've been practicing about seven years now. How has it changed from what you first learned when you were at the equine college to what you're doing now every day? And it be, as you said, a goat, a cow, or a horse. In the last seven years, I never, ever thought that I would be working on horses that are worth so much value. And I mean that in a good way. I started out, when I got back from school, it was I'm going to work on my ponies, and I'm going to work on my wiener dog, honestly. Uh, She had back Mm -hmm. issues. Never thought it would be a growing business. I thought, you know, when I'm at shows, I can work on a few horses, pay for my trip to the show, you know, just kind of make a hobby out of it. And the last seven years, it has changed so much. I work on everything from a draft horse, a hackney pony, to a barrel racer, dressage, and I do a lot of race horses as well. So seeing the the disciplines grow and change has been probably the most exciting for me. A lot of people don't believe in horse chiropractic. Um, And so being able to show them the difference of before and after has really been my passion. And how can we make that animal feel the best possible they can? We can't fix everything. Um, And I'm very honest when my clients, when, when they bring horses or cows or pigs to me, I can't fix everything, but hopefully together, we can fix a lot of things. Um, and so that's where we've also brought a vet into our clinic. Having a vet available for me, if I can't fix something or don't know what's going on, being able to use him as my expertise has really been helpful in our, in our business thus far. Well, and, and this might be a silly question, but when a person goes to the chiropractor, first thing they do is, is get x-rays to see the lineup. Do you have x-ray machines big enough for horses? Is that a possibility or is it more you use your hands and you feel to find where the problem is? As far as the chiropractic goes, the first thing I do when I see a horse is I watch their movement. I can tell a lot at movement. Um, Then the next step is feeling their body for pressure points for muscle soreness. Muscle soreness tells us a lot about what's going on with any animal people. So if I can identify where they're sore in their muscles, usually I can identify where they're going to be out chiropractically. Um, As far as the x-rays go, x-rays don't tell me much unless I have a horse or an animal that has an injury where there's a lot of swelling there. I don't, I won't work on that until a vet has cleared them through an x-ray. Because if it's a broken bone, I don't want to injure that in any more way, shape, or form. So when I see an animal, I look at their movement and see how muscle sore they are. And then we, we develop our treatment plan around what we're seeing with those two aspects. I see. And I never realized, I know how close you are to the state fairgrounds, but I never realized how close you are to the racetrack in Des Moines either. So you do see a variety of sizes from, you know, your hackney crosses 
to the 2,000-pound draft horses to the 1,200-pound race horses. So there's, there's quite a variance, but I'm assuming the technique is the same. Correct. The technique is the same. Uh, some of what we change is our treatment options. For a racehorse that's racing um, back-to-back, so say they're going to race uh, one week and seven days later they're going to race, that's when we're going to see that horse more often because they're not being able to get the time for recovery that necessarily a barrel horse would get or even a draft horse because they have to run so back-to-back. So we really look at each horse in each discipline and see, okay, what, when do they need to perform at their highest level? And then we develop our treatment plan based on that. Okay. And then a few years ago, you added the MagnaWave to your rapport of working with the, with the animals. Has that changed the way that you diagnose and, and treat and work on the horses? And I guess one question is, how do you convince an owner that the MagnaWave really does work, that they're not being treated with a gimmick or it's something that they're not going to see results with? In our industry, a lot of MagnaWave work is being done, but I also, in my travel, see a lot of people that think it's, hocus pocus, it's not working, and and how did adding that to your tools help you? So when we added the MagnaWave about two years ago, we got just what you're saying, Lisa, I'm not using that, that doesn't work, and it was showing the owners the difference in their horse. Um, The MagnaWave was brought to me by a bunch of barrel racers who, if anyone knows barrel racers, they take very good care of their horses, and they all Mm -hmm. said, will you please get the MagnaWave? So we, we tried it for three months and said, okay, let's try this. We talked to some draft horse clients and said, if if we get this machine, will you help support us for the first three months? Because it's, it's not because it's huge. It's a buy. huge investment. Yeah, it's it's a big investment. And being a small business, can we make a go of this? So we convinced a few people just to have some trust in us. And that's the biggest thing in the horse industry. You have to do right by your clients and build their trust. And that's what we've been able to do thankfully, in the last seven years is we do right by our clients and we explain what we're doing. So the MagnaWave, essentially, it's electrical magnetic stimulation that regenerates the blood flow and the circulation. So as I do an adjustment, obviously, I get everything back where it needs to go, but there's still muscle sore. How do we combat that muscle soreness? And that's exactly what the MagnaWave will do. It will take all that lactic acid out of their cells and regenerate blood flow and circulation. So they get immediate relief. And the number one thing I do with my clients that are questioning, is this really going to work? I ask them, where are you sore? Is your back sore? Is your hip sore? Is your shoulder sore? And we put it on them. It's a human machine as well. So as long as they don't have any medical issues that they can use a magnetic therapy, we go ahead and put it on them and they feel the difference. We then put it on their horse. A horse will usually drop their head, lick and chew, sigh, and they can see them relax right before your eyes. And then when they go out and perform, they perform at their highest ability. The owners can see it. I honestly, anymore, I don't even have to sell the MagnaWave. It sells itself. It's the therapy and what it does for a horse has just been fantastic for our business. And we've been able to not see horses as often when we're using the MagnaWave, which at the end of the day, that's kind of everybody's goal. Right, right. Well, and you have talked now that you have the facility and you have the knowledge to work on these horses, and then you've recently brought the vet in, and and that's so important because having a vet 
to, to look at these animals and give a quick diagnosis instead of the client taking them home, waiting on their local vet. You have to discuss with the vet what you did. It's, it's just a nice full circle to have that all together. But there is another service that you offer at Top Notch, and that is through your husband, John, being a farrier. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, the first, the, if your horse's feet are good and healthy, that's where it starts. If you bring me a horse that has a lot of feet pain or um, stiff and sore in their feet, I can fix them chiropractically, but at the end of the day, their feet really need to get fixed. So having John as an expert farrier has has been tremendous for us. He fixes, unfortunately, he gets a lot of cases that, um, they're problem cases as we call them, and John says, I just wish I had a normal foot. Yes, but right. he got blessed <laughs> to be with a chiropractor, so he gets to do the specialized shoeing. And once we get their feet balanced, then I can get their body balanced. But if I can't get their feet feeling good and get them you know, soft in those feet, not so stiff, my work's not going to hold. So having him um, in this business with me has been so fantastic. Um, just being able to build those feet up, get their feet comfortable, and then we get their body comfortable. Oh. And 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 by a true living, you are a hospice nurse and an, an administrator. I want to know how you juggle it all because I get asked that question a lot, how I juggle everything. But when I look and I see you driving ponies, loading ponies, going home, getting the kids. John's doing the shoeing. You're trying to build the barn. I want to know how you juggle everything, and you always have a smile on your face. I, I do this horse thing because I, I really love it, and it's my getaway. Um, my, my real job, as I call it, I call my nursing job my real job. I'm an administrator for a large hospice here in Iowa, and I travel quite a bit. That's the job that keeps us going every day. But when I can come home and put my hands on a horse and go out to the barn with my girls every night, that's what makes that's what makes me tick. So it, it is a struggle sometimes. I have a great support system. Um, John is fantastic uh, with my kids when I'm traveling, and we have great nannies. Um, and really the whole horse world. When I have to travel, we say, hey, we're bringing our girls with us. And everybody helps embrace those girls, play with those girls, and, and they feel like it's family. Um, so some days it is a struggle. Um, I'm glad I always have a smile on my face, but I really do love the horse world and it's my getaway. If you've had a long day at work being a nurse and obviously being a hospice nurse, I face a lot of different situations. If I can come home and put my hands on some animals, I feel good about the day. Well, and, and like I said, it, you're in the perfect location and you actually can buzz back and forth from home to the Iowa State Fair when all the breeds are showing. And, and I know, I know you're multi-talented because last year you stepped in for me and, and drove a cart horse for us and, and won a class, took a national champion. And then this year I said, Hey, can you drive that horse again? And you said, no, I'm working on some cattle and it's a big deal for the state fair. And I have to laugh. Normal people wouldn't understand that. But we understand that you have to do what you have to do. And horses are a market, but tell us other markets, cattle. What, I guess we see cattle, in a sense, as just hamburger, if they're not top of the not show. What are you doing to a cow to get it ready for the show ring? So I work on a lot of show cattle. Um, and it's very similar to the, to the horses as well, the movement, how they move, how they um, set their back. So as we're looking at cattle movement, if they hunch up in their back or don't move evenly, their front feet and their back feet are supposed to land in the exact same hole. So when the front foot goes forward, the back foot should land where the front foot just was. So if their hips are off, um, if they're not moving their back right, 
essentially they're not at their best ability to show. So I work on a lot of those show cows um, to get their back moving correctly and their legs moving correctly. And it's, it's a great business to be in in the sense horses start to slow down in the winter and cattle shows get start in the winter. So when my horses start to slow down in the late fall, my cattle are really starting to ramp up. So it's a great mirror to our business. We stay busy all year round because we're working on different species. Uh, the pigs, pigs are interesting. I'm not quite sure <laughs> I would about say. them yet. But um, anymore, we do a lot of magnawaving with the pigs because those, the magnawave helps relieve the mus- muscle tension. And if a pig gets really tense, and this is also, they tell me, I don't really know pigs. Um, if they get tense and sore, then they can't move correctly. So we magnawave them and they relax and they move more correct. Hmm. So I, I guess it, I learned it's something just amazing that they. Day. It's just amazing that, that, that the pig exhibitors have, have come to this. It, I don't know. I, I guess in my sense, I could see this as a way of less drugs going into the animals because if you're fixing the problem, you're not having to mask the problem. Absolutely. And, and, and we I, see a lot of that. Just, That's why we do a lot at the racetrack, too, is um, racehorses, they can't have, we can't use many drugs, uh, even banamine and bute. If they're on anything, they have to call it, and they can't race if they're on those drugs. So using these different techniques to keep them comfortable has been a big part of their treatment plan. Hmm. So tell me, if you take your MagnaWave or take your equipment on the road with you. How big of a job is that? Um, the MagnaWave actually travels really well. So you can get it through security well, and it fits in the, in the overhead bins of the plane. So it's, <laughs> it's super easy to travel, and it's funny, I know that, but as we travel this weekend, um, people are going to be asking for it. So it's easy to take with me, and then as far as the equipment I need, that's what's really great about my job. Um, John has to bring a lot of tools and shoes and whatnot. I just really need my rubber mallet, my magnawave, and my brace. So I can travel anywhere without a lot of headache and, and be able to perform my job with at ease, I guess you could say. Wow. Well, you are, you are very talented, and as I said, it, it's always a pleasure to be around you because you truly have the passion where you want to help. And if anybody wants to follow up with you, Tell us how we can find you and tell us about the Top Notch. I I believe you have a website and Facebook. So how can we find you? We do. So we have a Facebook page. It's called Top Notch Equine slash Hildreth Equine. Then our website is www.topnotchequine.net. And both of our phone numbers, myself and John's phone number is on there. If you have any questions regarding um, chiropractic, farrier, MagnaWave, and we also sell some other supplements, Platinum Performance Back on Track and Healthy Coat, you can find our numbers on the website and give us a call or send us a message and we will respond to you when, um, when we check them. We try to check them every day, but sometimes it does take us a few days. So give us a call if we haven't responded and we'll get your questions answered. Well, and, and tell me, how long did it co- take you to come up with the name Top Notch Equine? Was that something that you both come together on, or was it a debate for a while? You know, John had always dreamed of having a farm called Top Notch Equine, and as soon as he said it, I thought, you know, that's kind of fitting. Um, and my mom is a graphic designer, so I said, hey, can you figure out a logo for us? And she made the logo, and it was like, yep, this is what we need to be called. So it's kind of It was all meant to be. It was. People have gotten to know us, and it's just been a it's been a great seven years. We hope it will continue, and we keep 
adding to our business. So hopefully in the next few years, we'll be adding some more services and some more therapy. And I guess we always say the sky's the limit in this horse world. We'll see how far we can take it. It sure is. And you have a beautiful facility and, and you're, you're very highly recommended by all that have used you. And it's just, it was fun having you on the show and, and getting to know about you and your history and, and your husband and your girls and everything that you have to offer. So we want to thank you for being on Horses in the Morning and we look forward to seeing you. I will see you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Lisa. America is once again hosting the greatest of events for the world's most popular draft horse. The World Pertrand Congress is returning to Iowa on October 8th through the 13th of 2018 at the historic Iowa State Fairgrounds. The World Pertrand Congress celebrates and honors the great breed's versatility, power, and intelligence. It will be a worldwide celebration with breed ambassadors coming from Colombia, South America, Australia, Great Britain, Italy, Germany, and the breed's homeland of France. The final evening will feature the second World Pertrand Congress Drive for the Cure charity cart class in recognition of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. All the exhibitors will turn the Jacobson Center Arena pink and drive their carts to raise funds for the National Breast Cancer Foundation to aid in the fight against breast cancer. The Pertrand Horse Association of America invites you and your family to come be a part of the largest gathering of Pertrand draft horses anywhere, anytime. Expect to have a great time, be impressed, and even awed, and count on making memories that will last a lifetime. For more details and to buy your World Pertrand Congress wear, visit us on the web at theworldpertrandcongress.us. That's worldpertrandcongress.us and on Facebook at World Pertrand Congress. Let's harness the excitement. Well, I was just listening to the commercial about the World Pertrand Congress, which we're still going to try and get to next year. But the World Pertrand Congress where I just saw a post on Facebook about you and that. Here I thought that you were the Clydesdale girl, but apparently you're going to be more than the Clydesdale girl now. I am. I was so honored today to be able to finally uh, let everyone know that I am going to be carrying the World Pertrand Congress merchandise. I'm going to be marketing it, selling it at different events, selling it through uh, social media and online. It is going to be very similar to the Clydesdale store and more, but the World Pertrand Congress store is going to have its own website. You can find items through that store or through the Pertrand Association. It will all point you in the direction. I am just excited. I mean, to have two world shows back-to-back and for me to have such a big part in both of them and promoting them and marketing them, I'm honored. When I started the Clydesdale Store and More, I had no idea it was going to grow in leaps and bounds, and it, it's just amazing. And I'm so excited to work with the Percherins. The Percherin horse is what I grew up with. I've always had a passion. My son and I are members of the association. We're stable mates to help promote that Percherin Congress. I just want everybody to stay tuned for all the good things that are go- are going to start happening. And I tell you what, honestly, we have to build on to our store. We're adding another 40-foot extension to accommodate everything that we're going to be selling. So we just we just want to be your one-stop shop for everything Draft Horse. Congratulations, Lisa, on that. Look at you becoming the retail magnet of the Draft Horse world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're going to uh, next head over to our next guest. Well, this morning we are taking our visit to the Far East. We are going to North Conway, New Hampshire, where we are going to visit with Mr. Justin Hussey of the White Mountain Pertrans. Justin and his wife, Julie, 
are truly some of the busiest people in the heavy horse industry, besides managing a thriving dairy operation, farming, and marketing their own cheeses, they have time to squeeze in campaigning a six-horse hitch of Pertrans all across New England and into the Midwest. In addition to that, they have two adorable kids, Allie and Sawyer. I'm telling you, you have a jam-packed day each and every day, Justin. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you, you've embellished it pretty good, but but uh, I don't think any busier than uh, most people. But, uh, yeah, we, 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 do, we do stay busy, that's for sure. Well, I touched on that, that you like to campaign the six-horse hitch, but this year has been a very special year for you with the six-horse hitch. You were named national champion Pertrin six-horse hitch. How did that feel? Um, <clears throat> it was pretty special. It uh, really caught me off guard. I know it caught... Um, we definitely didn't go into this year uh, expecting that. Um, we we always feel like we have a pretty good bunch of horses, but they uh, they seem to come together this year. And Mark and Kaylee have uh, got them driving real good, and just things are clicking, I guess. And um, you know, uh, we were fortunate to have a judge that uh, thought thought we looked good enough to win, and. So we did, and we were very happy, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was a little surreal there at first. Yeah. Well, you came out of Indiana State Fair, so when you make that trip, it's quite a distance when you when you leave New Hampshire and you, and you come out to the west or to the Midwest. So you go to Indiana, and I believe you were first place in champion at Indiana as well. So were you in your mind thinking, oh, this is this was great, but now we're going to make that trek on to Des Moines and to the National. So actually back-to-back wins, that had to make the trip a lot nicer going back east. It sure did. Uh, we've been going to Indiana um, for, oh, probably I'd say seven seven or eight years in a row now. And, um, you know, definitely uh, we'd never won there before. Uh, and it is, you know, it's it's. It's a track because uh, I usually uh, have to go to Marks, uh, and then we from Marks we haul the horses down, and then of course out to Iowa and back. It's um, it it makes it a lot easier when uh, when when you win your uh, your ride home is is definitely uh, well worth it. Well, we're going to go back, and, and I know you were born with a passion for the horses, but we're going to go back to what I remember as the beginning, because for me going to Ocala many, many years ago when they were having the Ocala Draft Horse Show, one of my favorite people to visit with and to watch drive was your grandfather. He was highly respected. He was known for showing the gray six-horse hitch, and back when the grays weren't always the popular, he always, he was a crowd favorite. He was such a sweet older man that he pulled that hat down over his head and he was a stranger to nobody he he i'm assuming was one that helped to build what your love and passion for these horses are today oh for sure i mean we wouldn't uh we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for him uh he's he's what got the ball rolling and um everybody will ask me how you know how long have you been uh, showing horses and uh, 
I always say since since the day I was born because uh, that's how we remember how long we've been doing it. Uh, my grandfather got, bought his first six of gray horses the year I was born. Uh, so uh, that's 39 years. I'll, I'll be 40 this year. And uh, so for 39 years, we've had a six-horse hitch of uh, gray Pertrons. And um, he he started this, uh, I think it was just a dream of his, of, of having uh, a hitch of horses. And... Uh, one of the funny stories I've got about it was he had a pair of blacks at the time just around the farm. Of course, he grew up, uh, he was born in 20 and grew up when he still remembered uh, uh, some farm work being done with horses. And uh, he always said that he wanted to have a pair of his his own and uh, so he had a pair of blacks for a year and um he he liked the draft horses and and obviously um had an interest in showing them and a veterinary friend of his or actually a couple colleagues of his told him if he wanted to see a good draft horse show he ought to go to the winter royal in canada and um so he went uh that year and that's where he uh, met Donnie Robertson, who at that time had a six of gray Pertrons, and uh, they were competing there, and uh, my grandfather made the deal right there to buy them. And he, um, so he, he, he jumped into it uh, both feet pretty quick. Uh, funny, funny, the, well, the funny part about that story was, of course, he didn't tell anybody back home uh, what <laughs> he'd done. So. Yeah, he got home and um, told his wife that uh, he had bought a six of gray Pertrons. And uh, I guess needless to say, she wasn't too excited about it. So when he went when he when he went to get them and he had come back, she had bought a new I don't even know. They told me this. I can't remember now, but whether it was a living room set or a bedroom set or something. And my grandfather. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he he never was much. You know that was the funny thing about him was he was never much to to spend money uh, on unnecessary things, and so he was upset and said, you know, you need to bring that back. And she said, well, I'll bring that back when you bring the horses back. And well, <laughs> I think in his mind he 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 saw that uh, maybe he'd spent a little bit more than she had, so probably just let that one go. <laughs> Yeah, so, I would say. <laughs> uh, he, he uh, you know, that was one thing. And one thing about him, you know, I think growing up in the Depression, um, he was always, you know, conscious of, of spending, not spending a lot of money. And um, sometimes I think he felt guilty in the fact that he, he had such, he had, he'd spent this kind of money on, on horses. And, uh, and, you know, he, he deserved it. Nobody worked harder. No one that I've known that has ever worked harder in their life that, uh, to, to be where they were. Um, but he, he wasn't one to, to want to show that off. Right. Now, I have to ask, because I, I guess I never knew what he did for a living, but we all called him Doc Hussey. I mean, it was always Doc. Was he a doctor of some sort, or was that a nickname that stuck with him? Oh, no, he was a veterinarian. Um, he was. A he, uh, I never knew what he did. I just knew he was always Doc Hussey. 
Yep, yep. No, he was a veterinarian. Uh, he uh, graduated from uh, Michigan State University, which is where he met, uh, which I guess is kind of the ironic thing that we work with Mark and Kaylee out of Michigan is um, when he he was born in Maine, grew up in Maine, and then after the service, um, World War II, he uh, went to, he got accepted to veterinary college at Michigan State. And he graduated there and, uh, and didn't move back until 52 to start his practice back here in North Conway. Um, and so he, 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 he always told me there was, growing up, there was two things he wanted to do, have a dairy farm and be a veterinarian, and he did both. He was always one to, uh, he, he never liked to do things in a small way. Everything was a big way. You know, he had, he had a veterinary practice and then he, you know, then he had to have two veterinary practices, one in another town. And, and he, he uh, in 60, he bought, uh, 20 cows and rented a farm, not where we are now, but up the road. And, um, so, but that wasn't, wasn't quite, uh, probably large scale enough for him because in 65 he bought this farm and then he grew to in the 80s he was the largest dairy farm in the state of new hampshire so it was always <laughs> he was always growing then you know he better. had morgans before pertrons actually he was in morgans um and then he got into the draft horses i guess maybe just bigger better i don't i don't know what the th- the thought what process was there but he really that truly was his passion was uh that was the only time he ever got away to do stuff that he really enjoyed. And it wasn't so much the, the competition, I think. I think it was um, the people that he showed with. Um, and, you know, the uh, just getting to – he would do parades, and, and, and he just liked people to be able to see the horses and experience something that they, they hadn't had had as an experience or maybe as kids their their parents or grandparents had had horses so he he really enjoyed just talking about the horses and talking to his friends at shows you know and and he, he took a lot of pride in it and and like sharing it with other people now i know you and your wife julie and your family you live on the family farm does it look today like it did back when he was in the heyday or has it changed new buildings or or what what is the building structures is it still how he left it pretty much i mean we've made some improvements we didn't buy the farm um from my uncle until 4 years ago now uh so um for the most part uh, it's it it still per- very much resembles uh what he had built here um, we've just made some kind of modern improvements and as any, uh, and as any businesses, there's, there's a lot more stuff that we could do. And, uh, as time and money allows, we'd like to make some more improvements, but, um, yeah, to drive by it, uh, quick, you, you probably, most people wouldn't notice, uh, any different from, from what, what he had left here. He, he was always a forward thinker and, uh, made, uh, built things to last and, and, um, so it uh, it has it has uh, stood the test of time, I guess you could say, and and uh, that's a tribute to his forward thinking. Well, I I was always curious. I I knew your grandfather watched him show. I see you and your family showing. 
did that horse bug skip a generation with your parents? Are they horsey at all? Or is that something they're not interested in? You kind of jumped in at the deep end because you started, as you said, when you were very young, but are your parents or siblings as involved as you? Um, no. Uh, well, my, my mom was, has always had horses. She's, uh, that's actually how my mom and dad met. Cause, um, my mom got together with my dad before my grandfather had the draft horse. So she had, he had Morgans. Um, and then my mom, uh, showed Morgans as well. So that's how they made the connection, uh, there years ago. Uh, my dad, he was he wasn't really his hobby, uh, but he was, you know, he worked for my grandfather, worked with him here at the farm, so he was involved, uh, kind of um, behind the scenes kind of guy. Almost, uh, if if you wanted to compare it to NASCAR, it'd almost be kind of a crew chief. He didn't mm-hmm. really care about driving or showing, but uh, he'd go to shows and uh, help us, you know, always be drive the semi and. Uh, clean harness and harness horses and clean stalls and he was he was the one to do that type of stuff but as far as being involved with showing he he wasn't it that wasn't his passion um my mom likes the draft horses and she still does have horses but uh she is she's definitely an animal lover um but never the bug to to show draft horses no uh, I, I just, I don't know, growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather and, and, uh, you know, he, he, he would be one to just hop in the car and go, someone would call him and say they had a, uh, had a gray horse that, uh, he might be interested in. And, uh, he'd call me I remember, uh, when I was in college, I'd get a phone call and say, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know. He says, "You want to go look at a horse with me?" And Christ, we we might be headed to Ohio or Canada or what. He was it was nothing for him. Just hop in the car and we'll just go look. He was just looking for someone to go with him. So, I I enjoyed that. I spent a lot of time with him, and I guess that's probably where I got uh, got the passion for it. And it seems now that your kids are taking an active interest in the horses. I see them riding with you on the wagon or riding with Mark. And I believe you're now getting to that stage where you're going to have junior drivers. Yeah, they, uh, they started driving, oh, probably two or three years ago now. Um, they, they enjoy it. Uh, Allie really enjoys it. My daughter, uh, she, uh, she, she's actually spent time in the summer out with Mark and Kaylee. She'll spend, we call it, uh, Hochstetler camp. Um, some kids go to swim camp or soccer camp. Allie goes to horse camp. Uh, so she goes out and helps, helps Mark and Kaylee with the horses at their place sometimes if they're, when they're out there. And, um, she's, she, she really likes them. Uh, Sawyer likes driving too, but of course he's a boy, so he likes sports and video games and (laughs) all that good. You know, (laughs) the horses, he, but he does like the horses and, and he does enjoy driving. Um, I, I, I'm glad that I, that we can give them the opportunity to, to be involved with the horses. I always growing up felt like I was the, about the luckiest person I knew because of everything I got to do. Um, you know, I had so many friends growing up that never left the state of New Hampshire and, 
And, you know, here I got to travel all over the countryside showing horses and meeting people. And some of the some of the people I met as a kid showing horses, you know, in the Midwest or in Canada, I, I they're still friends today. And um, I, I'm glad for my kids too, where you know they're not a, they're not afraid to stay with other people or you know we be at a horse show and and they make friends with kids all over the country and and uh, i think it's it helps them grow uh and and learn responsibility knowing what we have to do to get ready for a show and in the winning and the losing uh you know i could see that firsthand this last year my my both my kids are quite active in sporting events, um, and some kids, some kids that they that they play with, uh, when, when they lose, you know they're a mess, and you see them crying and and just don't handle it well. And I think I really attribute a lot of the the show and horses where. You know, yes, we've done very well this year, but uh, we're 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 not usually the ones winning classes where we go, and so they they understand that that you you know it's it's not easy to win and you take um, the good I, with the bad. Yeah, that it's it's and you you don't win, you you pick up the pieces and you learn from it and you move on to the next day. So uh, I, I, I I really I always. I always say with my son, too, there is no better industry to raise children in because you're a big family. And whether you live on the East Coast, the West Coast, or in the Midwest, you do see people more often than you think you do. And and those friendships at that age that they build, like, I love watching your kids Iowa State Fair. They're they're hanging around with the Zubrod kids, and they're running around over here and meeting Clydesdale friends. Or they're, you know, it, it's it's a great combination of horses and kids and and good families that watch out for each other for sure and and they you know and and you don't have to that's the nice thing is you don't have i feel like you don't have to worry about them we're we're at a show and they say okay just don't leave the barn but uh you know you could be walking around and and see somebody hey you've seen you you seen Sawyer you seen Allie yeah they're over there with them playing you know so you don't worry about them and if there's if there's a problem they they can feel comfortable to go to go see one of these other families you know and uh it it definitely um it's definitely a a a good environment to to raise kids in and we have I want to get to this too we have mentioned a few times Mark and Kaylee in our in our talk this morning but when it comes to showing the horses you have a unique sort of horse partnership with Mark and Kaylee Hochstetler they live in Burlington Michigan tell us about this arrangement and how it works being so far apart well um i'll be the first to say we wouldn't be where we where we are if it wasn't for Mark and Kaylee i mean they do they do all the hard work uh they they've brought these I I feel uh, these average, sometimes misfit horses together, and 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 made a competitive six-horse hitch. Um, it's their hard work and and sweat that uh, has really brought this together. Um, we met Mark oh, 2009, I believe. He was uh, looking to start. Uh, shoeing on his own and was looking for some clients and um, 
He was looking to get some out here on the East Coast, which was good because we really kind of have a deficit out here as far as having people that know how to shoe a show horse um, or a show draft horse, I should say. And uh, so that's how we we met. And (laughs) the funny story about that was he was out shoeing the horses out here and um, he he says, you want to hook, you want to hook some teams? And I said, yeah, let's hook some teams. So he, he shot them. We hooked some teams and we were standing in the barn and I guess it was the, it was 2010, I think was the first spring he, he started. We met him in 20, 2009, but 2010, he start he started with us. And, um, he asked me, he says, you ever thought about going to the, the Des Moines Congress this year? And I said, well, I said, we thought about it, but I, I don't know if we're good enough and, and I just don't know how we, how we do it, you know, to help, help to get that done. And he said, I think you've got some decent horses. He says, uh, uh, you know, Mark, uh, Kaylee and I might be able to help you. And there we go. From there it started. And, uh, we've been doing it that way ever since. Um, we usually, uh, we'll bring the horses out uh he'll he'll plate them out here and uh we'll drive them for a bit out here then we bring them out to their place and it really works a lot better it's a lot easier on the horses too because you know they're a lot closer to the midwest shows and some of the bigger shows we like to compete at um so it gives we leave the truck and trailer and horses right out there and gives us a more central location and we then uh just me and julie and the kids have to travel back and forth and uh and then so we'll work out of that barn and then in the fall we'll come we'll work our way back out here and show what some of these uh shows we do in the east in the fall and um and actually uh we're going to go back to the great lakes show uh this fall and i guess they're going to stay out there this winter the plan is uh we're going to go to loveland and denver this year i guess in addition to horses we have to briefly talk about you and julie running your dairy operation um and then in, in involved with the dairy you've now gone into the cheese business and i know this year at the iowa state fair i said how do you want your hitch announced because you have used that that um, bringing together the cheese and the horses to have different names, but now you are going when you're when you're at the shows this year, you were the white cheese hitch. So how did that come about, and how is the cheese business helping to keep the horses going? Well, we um, <clears throat> yeah. So we're you know we're not a veal farms is our is our farm name right here is uh the uh, the dairy farm um and then we had started uh, four or five years ago uh bringing some of our milk to a plant that was uh, processing cheese for us and we uh came of course we're right in the white mountain uh White Mountain National Forest here, right in the valley of, of the White Mountains, right. We're probably a half an hour, 45 minutes from Mount Washington, which is the tallest mountain in the east. Um, so uh, it just seemed fitting that uh, we named the, uh, we were just trying to come up with a name for the for the cheese company, and so we named it the White Mountain Cheese Company. And, um, and then just to help uh, with that, we... Uh, 
just started calling the horses White Mountain Pertrons uh, and had a little a new logo made. Um, so we're still not a veal farms as a as a, a blanket farm, but um, we just kind of want to differentiate the horses a little bit from from just the from just the plain old dairy farms. So um, we so for let's see, we were having cheese made for us. Um, and then the, that company stopped, stopped making cheese for any outside, uh, farms. So we're in the process now of trying to put in a, a farmstead cheese plant right here at, at the dairy farm ourselves. Um, so that in the future we enough, can, right? <laughs> what's that? Like you yeah, were <laughs> well, you know, it's just uh, for anybody that knows the dairy industry, the the dairy industry is is a as far as a wholesale business, it's it's just tough to make ends meet, and, and unless you want to milk thousands of cows, um, it's 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 a struggle, and 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 we 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 really don't have a desire to be to be that big. Um, and is my like my wife likes uh, she likes knowing all the cows and and like just having that kind of more personal contact with all our animals and um so one way where we're in a tourist area here one way we feel that we could really take advantage of that is is to have a a kind of a a plant right here on the farm that people could tour and see and see the horses and see the cows and um, see the land. And, you know, uh, our area here in our county, there's only two dairy farms left. And uh, so that kind of heads to a, a different part of our feeling here at the farm is we need to be educators in, in agriculture. Uh, n- so many of my kids' friends in school, they don't know where their food comes from. They don't know where their milk and cheese comes from. They just think it comes from the grocery store. And, and as, as an agricultural community on a whole, we really need uh, to do a better job educating everybody. So um, if we could, uh, if, if we can make a little bit of money while we're, uh, having our business right here with the tourism, then it could help us uh, further that education. Well, and I have to ask one question before we go, and this has been a funny one. For many years, I've been your announcer, and when your farm name was not a veal, I could never figure out where that came from. And one time you had said to me, this is how you pronounce it, it's not a veal. And I laughed, but where did the word not a veal come from? Well, um, like I had said before, we, 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 grow, we are daring here in, in a highly tourist area. Um, it's probably the largest area for tourism in our state. Um, and a lot of the visitors here from Boston or New York, uh, city or, uh, populated areas that don't see a lot of farms. Well, anyways, we, we, we raised our, we raised our calves in, in hutches. Well, everybody saw these hutches by the road or a, a lot of these people that would drive by cause our farm is right on a highly traveled road and they thought we were raising veal calves and not that there's anything wrong with that, but, so, but you know, some people don't 
didn't like that idea. And so we had a lot of people stop and ask, are these veal calves that we feel so bad for? I'm like, no, they're just, uh, they're gonna, they're dairy, dairy calves and they'll be milking someday when they get older. And we, one of my best friends here in town has a, has a tire business and he would be up at the farm visiting and he says, man, how many people stop and ask you that? And I said, oh, a lot. And he, he says, you must get sick of saying you're not a veal farm. And I said, yeah, I say it a lot. And at that point, we had just gotten going, and we didn't have we didn't have a name for our business yet. And we had one of our trucks down there for service, and he just wrote on the bill for the customer, not a veal farm. And uh, so it just ever since then it stuck, and we just changed the letters a little bit, and uh, so that's that's where it came from. It's it is what it sounds. Everybody says, "How do you pronounce that?" I said, uh, "Just as it just as it sounds." I thank you for being a part of our show today and, and giving us a good. Our Harness and Supplies in the heart of Draft Horse Country in Shipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at shipshawanaharness.com as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness. Or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. In just 384 days, the World Clydesdale Show will be returning to the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where it was held in both 2007 and 2011. Held every four years, the World Clydesdale Show, powered by the Chesapeake Bay Petroleum, is the crown jewel competition of the Clydesdale breed. The size? Expect nothing but the biggest. The quality? Unmatched? and the beauty, nothing to compare. Madison is a great city to embrace the 2018 World Clydesdale Show with camping on-site and hotels within walking distance of the facility. More than 600 Clydesdales will be on hand at the latest state-of-the-art facility, totaling 290,000 square feet of indoor space. The World Clydesdale Show is proud to welcome Chesapeake Petroleum as their official title sponsor, and does it ever mean great things for the Clydesdales? We are excited to announce that an additional $50,000, I did say $50,000, in premiums have been pledged by Chesapeake Petroleum's Victoria McCullough. The breed's best will be on hand vying for these premiums in well over 100 classes. Stay tuned as more World Clydesdale Show details are confirmed and announced. We have an official site that is www.worldclydesdaleshow.com. It carries all the sponsorship information and opportunities, volunteer forms, vendor forms, and more. This website will be enhanced with updates in the coming months and right up until the World 
show in 2018. Mark your calendars for October 24th through the 28th of 2018. Make your plans, set your goals, and join us in Madison for that World Clydesdale Show. Very good. Well, we got a lot of shows coming up, a lot of things that are being planned for 2018. It's going to be a fun year in the draft horse world, but there's some that are coming up right this month in October. So let's hear about those. Right. All across this great country, October 6th and 7th is the Tulsa State Fair Draft Horse Show. That's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. October 6th and 7th, a Colorado Draft Horse and Equipment Auction in Brighton, Colorado. October 8th and 9th, Rockton World's Fair, the Heavy Horse Show in Rockton, Ontario, Canada. October 9th through the 14th, the Mid-America Fall Draft Horse and Carriage Sale in Mount Hope, and that is in Ohio. October 12th through the 15th, Michigan Great Lakes International Show and Pull in East Lansing, Michigan, one of the biggest shows we'll have. October 13th through the 14th, Georgia National Fair, there is their draft horse show in Perry, Georgia. October 16th through the 17th, the Kelowna Fall Draft Horse and Carriage Sale in Kelowna, Iowa. October 19th and 20th is the Lake Erie Draft Colt Sale that is in Burton, Ohio. At the end of the month, October 26th through the 27th, Buckeye Draft Horse Sale in Dover, Ohio. And then we'll move to Canada, October 27th through the 28th. That is the Carson's Draft Horse Sale in Listowel, Ontario, Canada. October 31st through November 8th, the North American International Livestock Exposition. That is in Louisville, Kentucky. And October 31st through November 3rd, the Topeka Fall Draft Horse Carriage and Equipment Sale in Topeka, Indiana. And we're working now that Young Living Draft Horse Extravaganza. We have lots of great things. In fact, going back to your neighborhood in Harrisburg next week, which will be the start of the Keystone International Livestock Show. So lots of great things coming up. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us again today. Thank you to the Draft Horse Journal. Let's not forget to mention the Draft Horse Journal. You can head over to drafthorsejournal.com to get your subscription today. That comes out four times a year, and you're going to want to get it, if nothing else, just for the pictures. But the articles are good, too. But I do look at the pictures first. I'm just saying. That's what I do. (laughs) That's how I read all magazines. I go through and look at the pictures first. It's like I'm 12. But it's drafthorsejournal.com. You know, Lynn is the one at Draft Horse Journal that helps put these shows together. Uh, he's the one that got Delisa and I together and really does uh, all the hard work and in, in, in the pre-show here. And we really do appreciate all the effort he puts into making this the best draft horse podcast in the world, hands down. And of course, you can find Lisa at theclydesdellestoreandmore.com or on Facebook at the Clydesdale Store and More. And we'll be back to, uh, tomorrow now. We're going to have another recorded episode for you tomorrow. There will not be live tomorrow as well. So they're out here working on our, our internet lines, and we're, we're not sure that we could stay live anyway. So that's what's happening. And so we'll have a recorded show for you tomorrow, and then we should be back live. If the internet gods uh, look kindly on us, we should be back live on Monday. But we do appreciate you being here. Thank you, everybody, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Thank you.